Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse, a podcast by the Faith Institute of Faith Foundation. Our conversations would revolve around Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem, touching on key thematic areas and preferring policy recommendations. This podcast would feature researchers, policy influencers and stakeholders within Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem. Everyone, welcome to Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse, Episode Two. My name is Amaka Wokolo. I head the Fade Institute. Today, we're going to be discussing the theme enabling youth-led businesses to thrive in Nigeria's food retail sector. And to do justice to this topic is no other than a very important personality. I'm going to be introducing very shortly, but not without providing some context. Now, as part of efforts to expand our research and thought leadership around entrepreneurship in Nigeria, we launched the Faith Institute Fellows Program last year. And today, I have one of our distinguished fellows in the studio with me. The Faith Institute Fellows Program is a two-year program designed to bring together policy experts, economists, and the academia to support the policy design review and implementation processes that would address gaps limiting the potential of Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem. Now, part of the program is that our fellows develop white papers and policy briefs that address specific thematic areas within Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem. Now, without further ado, join me as I welcome Dr. Ayodele Shito. Dr. Ayodele, it's good to have you with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Hamaka. So would you like to introduce yourself so we can meet you? Thank you, Hamaka. I am Dr. Ayodele Shito, an economist and a faculty member of the Faculty of Social Sciences, University of, University of Lagos. <laughs> I have a PhD in economics mm-hmm. and I specialize in the economics of uh, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and uh, innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, I am an enthusiast mm-hmm. of uh, youth entrepreneurship yes. in informal settings. Yeah. I am also a member of the Pioneering Fellows of the Faith Institute. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much, Dr. Shitu. And guess what? Today is a very important day because today is Inauguration Day in Nigeria. This is this is the day we essentially welcome a new government into office. And how crucial that is to, you know, the conversation we're having today and just even the entrepreneurship ecosystem at large, you yes, know? I sincerely agree with you, Amaka, given the fact that it's a new chapter entirely for the youth entrepreneurship ecosystem in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting to hear the government, I mean, the presidents talk about the youth Mm -hmm. during the build-up into Mm -hmm. this very inauguration, Mm -hmm. promising young people that he is not going to sleep, Mm -hmm. he's out to work for them, right? and he had made so much promises, and we hope that such promises will come to fruition. Yes, so here is hoping that, you know, the new government and this new era really just ushers in positive change and reforms uh, that we can see. The positive change. Exactly, within Nigeria's entrepreneurship ecosystem. Not just positive change, Mm -hmm. positive changes that will enable youth-led businesses to thrive. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to deep dive and just jump right in um, into the topic. Um, this topic I think is fascinating and we would hear in a bit why you chose this topic. Um, you chose to focus on youth-led businesses within Nigeria's food retail sector, which is an interesting space. 
um, to delve into and to look at. So I think just to jump right off the back, my question would be, you know, let's look at the food retail sector in Nigeria and, and, and talk about why you chose to focus on this specific area. Yeah, the food retail sector in Nigeria is an important sector, just right. as the oil sector is mm-hmm. important. Okay. But unfortunately, over the years, we tend to overlook it, given the fact that uh, we believe that uh, it does not have export earning potentials. Okay. But the dynamics is changing pretty fast, given mm. the fact that we are beginning to appreciate food as a culture. Mm-hmm. We're beginning to see food as a unifying factor, mm-hmm. not only just unifying people of different background and of different ethnicity, culture, but mm-hmm. uh, evidences are also shown that food also has the potential to create export earnings mm-hmm. for the country. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a virgin space. Okay. For mm-hmm. us to delve into in terms of making our entrepreneurship ecosystem robust. Okay. And uh, it's interesting, you know, the, the, the recent events, mm. the food fest, right. the street food challenge, and right. more recently, the Guinness World Book of Record, you know, given <laughs> right. that, that is attempted the by Hilda Basi. Right. These are evidences to show that the food retail sector has innate potential to you know shoot nigeria into the moon among great countries around the world thank you thank you <laughs> thank you dr Shitsu. that was a great introduction um so moving on to my next question let's look at the food retail sector again and from your perspective provide an overview and so for our listeners food retail by food retail we're also essentially just referring to street food Right. And I think it's um, I, you, you know, you touched on points around culture. And I think that street food actually is a is a good is a good introduction to the culture of a community. Right. So imagine that you have and it's always very interesting when I go on Instagram, for example, and you have foreigners who are visiting Nigeria for the first time and you see them on the street. They're trying to try our bolly and fish, you know, or try bolly and granodes, you know, and all of that or akara and, you know, and all of that. Right. Um, so I think it's an important part of our culture and even tourism, if which might be a totally different space, but it's linked. There's some linkage and correlation there, right? Um, but from your perspective, what does the industry look like? So if you could just provide an overview of what the industry looks like, and then we can later look at some of the gaps that exist. All right. Thank you very much, Amaka. The food retail sector can be broadly divided into two. We have the formal and the informal Okay. okay. Over time, we've paid attention to the formal sector, you know, the formal retail, food retail sector, because of its employment potential, okay. its wealth generating potentials, okay. its potentials towards uh, contributing heavily towards tax revenue in the country. Okay. However, the informal sector, the informal retail food sector is often seen as um how will i describe it something of negative perception Mm. given its negative impact on the society Hmm. can we break that down a bit more good yes because when you look at the informal food i mean the food informal retail sectors now they occupy public spaces they are often situated on the street 
Mm-hmm. And uh, when you look at it from the context of urbanization, we see it as something derogatory, mm. something distorting the environment. Hence, or the city plan. Or the city plan. So, because of that, we see them as troublesome set of people mm. to the society. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, the innovations that are coming up in this space and the fact that we have a lot of young people now seeking heaven in this <laughs> sector makes it interesting and mm. the dynamics mm-hmm. of the growth that we are beginning to witness in that sector makes it more compelling for us mm. as enthusiasts of entrepreneurship to begin to delve into that sector to see how young people are taking advantage of the opportunities inherent in that sector for wealth creation. Hmm. So just to build on that a bit, um, would you say from your perspective that we have more young people within the, the food retail sector, more young people as opposed to the older folks? Interestingly, the population of young people in this space is growing by the day. Okay. And that reminds me, you know, it reminds me of uh, one of the world development reports published by the World Bank as far back as 2012. In that report, the World Bank affirmed that within the next 10 years, if so much is not done Mm. policy-wise, that young people across Africa Mm -hmm. will seek heaven in the informal sector. Mm. And that's exactly what we are seeing now. 10 years down the lane, we see young people dominating the food mm. retail space, especially within the informal settings. Is that a good or a bad thing? Good uh, thing, I think. Good thing. Yes. Because it has enabled mm-hmm. young people to Find. show their creativity and find a means of livelihood you know. and also demonstrating their tenacity which mm. is an important ingredient in entrepreneurship hmm. amazing thank you very much dr shito so now let's talk about the impact of the food retail sector right um on the entrepreneur on the one hand and on the community where they're located you know you sort of touched on it when you mentioned the fact that you find them along the streets and so some people could argue that they constitute a menace um other people like who are you know in your school of thoughts will say no that's entrepreneurship and they are you know it's an opportunity for them to thrive um but if you could just from your perspective share um what um the impact has been and oh by the way we're actually speaking on this theme because Dr. Shitu put together a paper on this specific topic. And so that's why we're discussing the insights um, on this topic today. So if you could just share briefly. Yeah. Thank you very much, Amaka. And to be more very specific, there are diverse benefits that this set of young people have actually extended to their immediate community. However, three important ones are very germane to me as a young researcher looking into this. The first is the fact that uh, their livelihood. Mm. This sector has enabled young people to seek legal and decent means of livelihood. Mm. And uh, it's uh, something that is very important to me. You know, in a society where young people wake up every day 
looking for opportunities and right. yet this sector is actually offering them one yeah and and, and especially when we also talk about the um, youth unemployment rate exactly um, so this sector also provides you know an that, opportunity that's the second point i was going to mention <laughs> yes. because it's also creating employment opportunities mm-hmm. you know in the build up to us writing this paper we had an interview with uh, some of the good young entrepreneurs in this yes. space yes, and uh, it would interest you to know that none of them has employed less than five young other people young mm. people mm. so they have at least young five employees yeah. working with them right not just only young people they also employ the older what ones are? too who engage in the cooking and other delivery services right. and uh, the third benefit I, I will call it is the external benefit now you know mm-hmm. ordinarily when you think of okay i'm starting a business you think of the profit mm-hmm. but these businesses as small as they are are also giving birth to other businesses especially mm-hmm. in the logistics space mm-hmm. people hoarding food within the confines of their home and mm-hmm. wanting that food to be delivered right at their store doorsteps mm-hmm. so you realize that suddenly since 2021 or after COVID-19 we've seen the emergence of logistic companies also you know that's a very good benefit yeah so I was going to I was going to touch on that because one of the key points you raised or touched on in your paper was the impact of COVID-19 and how that really sort of um, gave rise or increased an expansion of the food retail sector. So do you want to speak on that a bit more um, and how COVID-19 played that positive impact, if I can describe it that way? COVID was more or less a blessing for stakeholders in the food retail sector. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, the, the young people, I would say, are a good beneficiary. Okay. You know, covid Especially during the lockdown, you couldn't move. Mobility was an issue, right. but we had to eat. And uh, it's it's very creative and interesting to see young people entering the kitchen, cooking, mm-hmm. taking pictures. You know, young people are agile set of people. So lockdown was a big challenging for them, but they needed to just, you know, get themselves vibrant and um, many of the stories i hear was uh, people just trying new things out mm-hmm. and since everyone has access to smartphones you take pictures you Put send around and people keep on ah what is this what is this an interesting one that happened within my own vicinity was a young one who started baking okay and uh, she baked during the COVID and uh, suddenly the landlady asked her, who is baking? And uh, having ate the cake, the landlady also bought one, said, mm-hmm. please buy me one. Mm-hmm. And from there, that was how she also started her cake business. Mm-hmm. So we have several interesting stories like that. And I would say that COVID actually helped to unleash the cooking ability of several young people but the few ones who were able to take the bold step converting mm-hmm. this talent into business opportunities are really thriving now but they need more support right and, and so that's a very interesting story that you tell because we see that replicated really across the entrepreneurship ecosystem um, and to be honest i think it's a testament to the tenacity 
to the agility of Nigerian entrepreneurs. So despite COVID was a really dark time, but despite the challenges, it's great to see. And, you know, as you just shared in that story, how a lot of young entrepreneurs were able to pivot or just find alternative sources, but still stay engaged in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's an amazing story and something that should be applauded. Um, uh, so just building on that and moving on, I think my next question would be to look at um, a certain aspect of your paper um, where you sort of emphasize that a lot of the businesses or entrepreneurs within the food retail sector are necessity driven, they're self-taught, um, you know, and a lot of them are motivated by desire to survive. Uh, which is not surprising, especially, again, when we consider the unemployment rate. And so people people need to stay alive. And I know there, there are a lot of um, there's a lot of conversation around entrepreneurship being a path that people choose as against it being necessity driven. Right. I think for me, it's an interesting dynamic that we see. I don't I don't know if one is better than the other. I think the question would be, how do we harness that and create an environment for entrepreneurs to, to thrive regardless of how they chose or how they found themselves on that path right but i wanted to just touch on that a bit and get your thoughts around how the food retail sector can grow considering that you know a lot of them find themselves in that space out of necessity so when you look um to the future what does that look like you know for the food retail sector do we see it becoming a bit more structured um a lot of them operate in the informal sector do we see them maybe getting registered maybe getting navdac and son registration certifications you know do you see that happening oh oh yes i see that happening amaka and um, i would want to build on uh, the global entrepreneurship monitor framework which emphasizes that um typical entrepreneurship ecosystem is a journey. It starts from necessity-driven entrepreneurship to opportunity-driven entrepreneurship. Then we move on to innovation-driven entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And gradually, when you look at what is happening in that space now, we are drifting from necessity-driven to opportunity-driven now. And that's why you see the likes of Ilda taking advantage of the opportunity in that space. And since we had that challenge, mm-hmm. you've seen several young chefs also coming up that, oh, I think I can do better than Ilda does. Mm. And uh, so um, apparently, the, when we started this research, we had an interview. Mm-hmm. We had a focus group discussion. Mm-hmm. We brought together young food entrepreneurs from four cities, Lagos, Calabar, Abuja, and Port Harcourt. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would... It's, it's interesting to know that majority of these young food entrepreneurs had never thought of it before mm. that they were going to be food entrepreneurs. Okay. okay. So, but one, due to high rate of unemployment. Then two, we realized that uh, the outcome from the focus group discussion also has it that some of them had employment Mm. But they were not fulfilled with mm. the kind of employment they had. So they just wanted something new. Mm. And as such, since I can cook, let me start. Mm. And that's why we said that um, we concluded that they were necessity driven, but we are gradually moving into the opportunity driven mm. phase, and which I think 
is mm-hmm. a good one for the country. I think so too. I think so too. So do you think that in the nearest future you would see a bit more structure in that space? Yeah. In terms of formula- uh, formality now. Oh. In terms of formality, mm-hmm. I may not be too certain. Because at the end of the day, I may day, not be too certain. At the end of the day, if we want to see growth, yes. right? Um there's going to be that need to take steps in terms of registering business getting a you know a bank account a business for yeah. the for a, a, a bank account for the business um and and just being formal if we if we're going to see growth so do you i i understand and i hear you in terms of um entrepreneurs starting out from the necessity phase but from your perspective do you think that this is something we would see in terms of a formal structure emerging there is of certainly there's going to be a formal structure emerging but uh not in totality. Okay. Just as I said, we're still going to have a lot of them mm-hmm. still hanging on to the necessity phase, necessity driven phase. Mm-hmm. But a few of them now who are having access mm. to the right opportunities now mm-hmm. are beginning to move okay. into the opportunity phase. Okay. Uh just a few days ago, uh one of those whom we interviewed yeah. i saw on his uh, status a whatsapp status right suddenly transforming it he has a logo now nice. and it's already trying to build up a new brand okay. for the business okay. so before we know what is happening now obviously he's going to be moving into the scale up stage <laughs> and uh, right. that means uh, and that's what we like to say that's what we like to say if he can achieve that and we see another Many two more. within that court doing that i think others will be motivated the to do the effects same thing. would be great okay thank you very much dr shito so we're going to quickly jump right into the challenges because we're almost out of time right. and i've had a great time discussing this but <laughs> from your perspective and uh, you know as you noted in the paper you highlighted a couple of challenges that exist within you know within the space do you want to talk us through that and discuss that a bit before we jump into recommendations oh great amaka you know as rosy as the opportunity seems to be it's interesting to know that uh, there are still challenges and uh, five notable challenges that we discovered in the course of the research include funding opportunities uh undependable logistics services um, scarcity of manpower Mm -hmm. complex registration procedure Mm -hmm. etc and um, you know the the one the first that struck me the most is access to financing you know mm. yes this is still like a major issue it is. and uh, maybe that would uh, you know inspire another level of research mm. you know into how these young people in the food retail space you know have access to their startup capital the operating funds and uh, possibly how they can fund growth in order to scale up but uh, it's kind of funny how the challenge around undependable logistic services was mm. described. Mm. You know, one of the participants actually described many of these young guys. Interestingly, they're also young people mm-hmm. who are engaged in logistic services. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be very funny. Okay. I had very funny stories where For you example. pick up your food to be delivered and you get to the it's middle of the road. And suddenly you open, you, up, to you open up to it. eat out of it even before it gets to the final <laughs> destination. So that says, speaks to the fact that uh, we need some level of professionalism. 
in that space and uh, more touching of course is the fact that uh, many of these young people are you know subjected to rigorous registration processes by navdac mm. um they applauded so this f- for this this issue now is for those looking to go formal correct yes for those looking to go formal who have been able to develop some uh, uh how would i call it now they've been able to discover some recipe for mm. cooking and uh, they've been able to develop it into packaged product mm. with the anticipation that it can be exported mm. you know one of the interesting stories that we had during the research is this jollof rice competition between Nigeria and Ghana mm-hmm. so one of the chef has been able to develop a good recipe for cooking jollof rice and he hopes that he can be exporting it to Ghana but for him to achieve that he needed that navdac registration but to get it it was a big problem mm. so and more taunting is the fact that they could not visit the could visit the navdac website but mm. they could not get simplified information mm-hmm. on how to navigate their way to mm. securing these certifications as appropriate mm. so these are a Some few challenges that we were able to identify in the process and that we believe that if this can be solved it would obviously enable youth-led businesses in food retail sector to Within thrive. The sector. Okay, thank you. And so just to piggyback a bit on the oversight um, points you raised, um, I think you noted in your paper that NAVDAC has limited oversight over the food retail sector. Is, do you want to expand a bit more around that? Um, and, and then maybe provide some suggestions on how they can come into the space to sort of regulate it right um because there's also there's also that issue and and that's something that we need to if you're dealing with food and dealing because food is directly related to people's health so if you're yeah. dealing with food and putting things out that people are consuming navdac needs to come in but in a way it's very unregulated so how would you recommend that yeah. thank you amaka interestingly in. uh i i wouldn't want to blame navdac as an institution mm-hmm. but uh, over time you know food retailing in the informal space is often overlooked mm. navdac goes out perform oversight functions but targeting just only the formal settings mm. the okay. factories and the likes but forgetting the fact that these young people or stakeholders in the informal food retail settings generally are also into food manufacturing. Mm. The only thing is that they are not using big machines, mm. but they are using the cooking stoves, their pots, and mixing up the whole process. So if you look at it from end to end, it's also a form of manufacturing taking mm. place. However, you know, because of multiplicity of functions mm. and institutions, right. NAVDAC may say this is not our own purview. Right. It could be Ministry of Health and Co. But right. whichever ministry that is saddled with enforcement of safety should please begin to look into the informal food retail sector. Because so, what we're taking is more important. It's very important. And so maybe they can also curb the issues around dispatch riders dipping into people's food and then we can see less cases of that happening. Um, yeah. So on a final note, we need to wrap up now. What are some of 
the specific recommendations you want to share to address the challenges you just discussed? Thank you very much, Amaka. One important um, recommendation we were able to come up with about uh, five recommendations. One is the soft soup promotion of business formality. Okay. Okay. Yes, uh, CAC has done very well by simplifying the process of uh, business incorporation. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fact that many of these young people see the informal sector as a heaven, mm. limited taxation, limited harassment, and mm -hmm. co, they would rather choose to stay back even mm. when they are growing in size right. and in terms of financial remuneration. So we need to think through Right. innovative way of how to encourage these young people to formalize. Okay. Uh, another area of recommendation is to promote the adoption of food safety behaviors and practices. Mm. This is very, very important because uh, what we are going to ingest into the body system has to be clean, mm. has to be prepared under hygienic conditions, mm -hmm. and more importantly, it has to be safe for consumption. Okay. So, institutions, the Ministry of Health, NAVDAC officials, and any other government agencies that is concerned with this health and safety as well as security of the people needs to be on the lookout and uh, evolve new ways of mm -hmm. monitoring, evaluating, mm -hmm. and as well putting these young people on the right path to preparation of good foods. And finally, I looked at um, capacity building initiatives. Okay. Okay. Many of the food, young food entrepreneurs that we have uh, interviewed lamented seriously that uh, manpower is an issue. Okay. And more so that uh, they look forward to having this business grow in a sustainable manner. Mm -hmm. They have learned on the job also. They actually learned by doing. But they would love to see short courses that could put them through on the path of uh, learning how to be better entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. learning how to better manage people, learning how to be leaders within the food retail sector spaces. Mm -hmm. So these are interesting areas of knowledge gap that uh, institutions can actually fill mm. in order for us to continue to have a robust development in our entrepreneurship ecosystem. Mm, thank you. And, and if I could just add, I think that capacity building in the area of also financial literacy and just having knowledge of your books, because one of the major challenges they mentioned is access to finance. And what we find is that while there is maybe a demand uh, a supply shortage in terms of the types of finance products that exist and can you know service um, this type of audience or market, um, we find that on their own part, there's also that capacity building issue where a lot of young people need to pay attention and and just be able to keep records, their financial records, because that way it puts you on a better. Um, pedestal to be able to access finance. So thank you very I much. <laughs> thank you very, you. thank you, thank you very much, Dr. Shito, for sharing that. And this has been Entrepreneurship Policy Pulse. I have been with Dr. Shitu Ayodele, and um, we've been discussing enabling youth-led businesses to thrive in Nigeria's food retail sector. I hope you learned 
and had a good time as much as I did. Dr. Shitsu, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for hosting me, Amaka. And that's all from our end. Bye for now and Bye. see you on episode three.